Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative. And on today's episode, I chat with Joel, who is the founder of Drinks, D-R-N-K-S. And Drinks is a collection of sustainable, organic, biodynamic wines from around the world that Joel and his team source from about 2,000 different suppliers. And this quickly became one of my favorite businesses as a consumer And as I had my consumer experience with drinks, I fell in love with the business model, the customer service, the product, the branding, their tone of voice, everything about it. So I reached out to Joel and said, let's put you on the podcast. I want to hear more about this. And he shared his incredible story and the ups and the downs of coming up with an idea that was addressing a gap in the marketplace. So whilst it can have lots of success, and he has had lots of success by doing something that no one else has done, it also presents with challenges in that no one else has done it, so it's harder to figure out as you go. And Joel shares a little bit about that story, as well as what he had to do to overcome the fear of taking the gamble and the risk of jumping into this business model that he's created for himself. He also shares some really good insights into consumer-based marketing, so using your audience to help you to market and spread the word. Um, he has a really cool story about launching and, and how he launched the, the business. There's a cool part about the business that he delivers same-day delivery. So if you order online before a certain time in Sydney or Melbourne, it, it'll be hand-delivered through his own courier system that afternoon, which, you know, for anyone who has had a huge week and just wanted a nice bottle of wine to arrive on your doorstep, it's an incredible little business model. And Joel talks about uh, the ups and downs of that even as a process and what it um, takes to keep your customers happy. Um, He personally engages with all of his customers, so he's going to share that process, which is what led to this podcast interview but also what it takes to have good customer service even when things don't go to plan. So if people's bottles are arriving broken, um, strategies around that and how to keep your head strong and clear when you know, you're, you're faced with different challenges and struggles throughout the business. But one of my favorite um, pieces of advice that Joel gave throughout this is what it takes to build a reputable brand. And, you know, he's developed his brand and I've talked about this to my clients since interviewing Joel about becoming the go-to source. So whether it's the go-to source for a great wine or, um, you know, business advice or whatever it might be. But, you know, I often talk about building your expert status and when you build your reputation enough, then you don't need to market or you don't need to oversell yourself because, you're able to hold a reputation and energy that people know what they're coming to get. And if you do your job right, they keep coming back and they'll keep telling other people about you, which is exactly how this podcast came about. My friend Daisy um, had a great experience with drinks and fell in love with the brand. And it was her favorite thing to treat herself to was a, a drinks delivery on a Friday afternoon. 
and seeing her as a consumer and raving about the brand and having the experience and dancing around the house when her delivery arrived and seeing what her her package was uh, made me intrigued about the brand and I went on to to do the same and order my own as well. So a really good example of, of what happens with great customer service and a great product and really engaged um, brand that cares about their customer's experience and, and what they are looking to get from you as a business. So lots of great wisdom in here and Joel has been very generous in offering a $100 voucher. So he ships Australia-wide, um, Sydney and Melbourne get same-day delivery. But if you would like to share this episode on your social media and tag both drinks and myself, then you go in the running to win a $100 gift card for drinks to try it out for yourself. I'll be sharing the details more on social media about when that will be drawn and how to enter, but just as a heads up. Um, And either way, you should check out Jinx because it's a fabulous brand. Joel's an epic entrepreneur, super smart, and it's just an all-around great experience. So enjoy the episode, and I look forward to hearing what you think. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Joel. Nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's four o'clock on a, what day is it? Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon or even more reason. Um, Joel runs an incredible business called Drinks, which I'll let him explain in more detail. But in our email and um, late afternoons, I thought, let's crack a beer. Um, I'm, I've come to love the Yulee's Brew since ordering your drinks when I was in Sydney last. Yeah, okay. they're uh, excellent, excellent Sydney-based brewery. I've got a, a Mediterranean lager, the sea bass here. Sea so bass? I'm gonna, yeah. Yep, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack a beer and do this with you as a convenient time to have a drink and also we're talking about drinks, so why not? Perfect. Cheers. Cheers. So now that I've got that out of the way, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Do you want to give us a bit of a background on, on what drinks is and as a business um, and then we'll dive into it? Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, foremost, we're an online retailer. Um, we specialize in natural wine and have done so since uh, November 2013. Um, we also stock things that are associated with that, so beers, spirits, sake, um, cider, and uh, other things like pantry items. Probably We'll probably go into that more later because that's fairly COVID-related. Um <laughs> But yeah, we kind of we sort of sell anything that falls into our realm now, really, and yeah. uh, and I guess fits our ethos, which is definitely always looking for organic. Firstly, but we do uh, bend the rules slightly when it comes to like small new producers and family-owned business, um, especially because there's a pretty crazy regulatory system for organics in Australia that not everyone can afford and varies state to state and doesn't always make sense. So we're, we're still willing to work with people that are basically doing the right thing and don't, don't necessarily have the certification but um, are still farming in that manner. Yeah, amazing. I mean, we'll dive into organic and, and what defines that, I think, a, bit, a little bit later. But um Fantastic business. So you deliver, you buy online and online shopping for for beers and wines that get delivered to your house. What I love about it is it can it gets delivered on the same day. 
<laughs> yeah, so we're same day. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people are familiar with with Jimmy Brings, which obviously deals in the commercial alcohol world. Um, we essentially, to be perfectly honest, kind of based it off what they did, which is offering that service. Um, but then we're also in the process of, which isn't common knowledge as yet, but um, we're opening a warehouse in Melbourne and in Perth and in Brisbane. So wow. we'll be doing the same thing. We, we, still, we ship to all those cities now. We ship nationally all the time, but we'll be offering same day in those cities. Amazing. Well. You heard yeah. it here first. Congratulations. Uh, technically, you, they actually have. That's right. <laughs> I love that. Um, amazing. So where did this idea, obviously, Jimmy Brings came into the market and the saw a need for it, but what were you doing before um, drinks? Is this your first business? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, w- I had a wholesale wine business at the time, um, so dealing with restaurants and other shops and things like that. Um, Basically, I was in wine since I was like 14. I'm from a vineyard in South Australia, so I grew up. My first job was in a winery near our house. Um, I've always worked in mum's vineyard and uh, many vineyards and cellar doors and marketing departments of wineries and I did a degree in wine (laughs) and things like that. Um, I'm quite old. And (laughs) then uh, I basically moved to Sydney and um, became was probably already pretty jaded with wine, and it was like it was. I mean, this is like the early mid two thousands, and it was such like an old white dude's game. Like that's all it was. It's like that's what yeah. the customers were. That's what the winemakers were. <laughs> that's like yeah, the people that owned the businesses that uh, were in that realm. That's what they were. Like no complaints, but it was a pretty boring environment. Mm. Um. And I was DJing quite a bit in Sydney and I took a job with uh, Modular Records. Yeah. And the people I met there actually built the first iteration of drinks and then Mm -hmm. developed the idea with me and now are working with me on uh, this, I guess, this expansion plan we're, we're currently working on. Um, so sort of, I, I had the idea, but these are guys that like make shit happen basically. And they kind of push me to actually do it. So, uh, I'd left modular. I was running a wholesale business and doing like a couple of, there's a place called one, two, one BC doing a couple of shifts there. Um, working at a friend's restaurant every now and then. Yeah. And we, basically all had a bit of free time at one point in time and that's when it happened and took about two months really it didn't take that long at all (laughs) and then we how long were you thinking about the idea for well uh in 2011 so about two and a half years prior to when it launched Mm -hmm. um uh, i'd been following and drinking natural wine for about three years prior to that um but I travelled through Europe with two of my best mates and we kind of met most of the guys that started the movement in France, like the older winemakers, mm. and it was kind of like quite life-changing for me. And um, as a result, I basically developed the idea on that trip and then came back and wanted to do it because I, at, at the time in Sydney you could you could buy it. Like there was um, 
best sellers in Oak Barrel had yeah. and five way sellers had you know oh, and, and Vaucluse sellers sorry and Annandale sellers sorry <laughs> <laughs> all, all had like you know we probably had like ten to twenty products that fit in that world but I my whole idea was always that I would only have those products that I wouldn't have to um like not to sound like an asshole, but like I never really wanted to cater to like the normal wine market. I, I figure that's covered. Mm. And so we always wanted to uh, just just work with natural wine. So, yeah, anyway, that, that was kind of the idea developed then and just kept like getting, I guess I got more clarity around it over those two years. And then, yeah, we, we did it. And, I mean, we actually, I've been involved in three uh, liquor online commerce sites launching prior to this yep. and have seen what they did wrong, I guess, basically. And um, which is why we actually ran for almost five months without telling anyone that we existed, just yeah. to, which obviously like hurt our bottom line to begin with, but meant that um because things like freight are such a big deal in Australia with product like this. And it just meant we could get systems in place basically. So that when the first person who had never heard of us actually shopped with us, they were essentially blown away by the experience because no one had ever delivered wine to them like that before. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, there's so much good advice out of, of the, everything you've just shared then from like concepting an idea from like a passion and being ready to go back into it. Um, and then like being okay with taking it slow for the launch and testing it out as well to make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, um, I mean, I think you and I'll talk about it later, but like that's like the, the biggest thing is that just to be like prepared for the fact that, you know, essentially it's like three years of zero, <laughs> zero profit. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's kind of having that in your head that you're doing this because you really want to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm finding that time and time again, the more interviews that I do, the more that I realize that the businesses that are really thriving are like the the ones who are driven by founders and entrepreneurs who are just super passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, that's it. And also, I mean, there's, there's, like I said, I mean, like I, I joke about being old, but like I'm 40 and realistically, I'm probably not going to have another career change. And I love this. And I, nothing else really interests me like this does. Even, you know, like it's such a broad world. Like I've got friends in the Sydney CBD that have a beyond world-class mezcal bar. Mm. And so I've spent almost six months now kind of teaching myself about mezcal, which like, you know, there's always something, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah there's always more to learn. you got to go to New York. A, New York could do a good mezcal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got, an, I've got an employee now that he handles most of our wine purchasing. Yeah. So it kind of frees me up to look at what else is going on. Which is also fabulous advice. I think the other thing that I wanted to point out as well is your, I think as a business coach, I get a lot of people asking like, when's the right time to, um, you know, to start my business or should I get experience or do courses? And I like that you went and, you know, A, you come from the wine industry, so you knew it inside out. And I think that's really vital to the success of a business. Um, but also like going and learning from other people's businesses and not being afraid to like be a part of other startup launches. Yeah, totally, totally. Interning. Amazing. 
So let's dive into that initial phase. So do you import the wines? Is that you? Are you selecting uh, and importing and doing that as well? No. So um, uh, I deal with importers. Um, and when drinks launched, I was an importer myself. That was a separate business though. Yeah. So obviously the focus of our range was coming out of my wholesale company. But then, I mean, you know, we, we deal with hundreds I mean, it's probably getting close to uh, one or 2,000 now suppliers. Um, and basically, if you, if you look at it like I deal, with, I deal with the importers for anything coming from overseas, but pretty much anything that's produced in Australia, um, probably eight times out of ten, I deal directly with the, with the farmer, with the maker, with the grower, whoever it is that's actually behind the product. Amazing. Incredible. I mean, I'm really interested as well into the into that winemaking industry. What are you noticing in a bit off topic here? <laughs> but like the you know, as a craft, I think, like my um partner and her family, they import specialty cheese and similar model to you in that they are um really well connected with producers around the world. But it's interesting being like seeing that world and connecting to this really, you know, handmade in, in it's quite um hard work too to make wine and cheese. What's yeah. the what's the future of that industry and what are you seeing in that space? Well I mean like that's 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 sort of the thing. It's kind of you know, and I mean like it's there's there's not there's other people that do it. Like I, I love supporting like young people that have bought two tons of fruit that year and made it in a shed somewhere and released their first wine and all that stuff. But it's like it is such a it's it, it's an insanely hard slog. And it's kind of um I guess I, I don't know if that will always be the trend. I feel like it's gonna it's gonna fall back more to people that own vineyards and things like that. Um, there's like a there's a slight complexity there. They've they changed the tax system last year, so I won't go into that too much. But it basically, uh-huh. it, it's basically if you if you own the land and and farm the grapes, there's a tax break that makes starting a small business very easy. And if you don't, then you don't get that break, which makes it a lot harder. But um. I mean, even since I've been doing it, there's like so much more. The like, it's just straight up like young people and women, and uh, yeah, like it's it's developed a lot as far as the the wine making and the wine growing side is concerned. Um, Trend wise, though, I'm pretty interested to see what happens because I I think a bit of that stuff isn't sustainable, and um, I feel yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what what will happen actually. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those crafts that you kind of, you're like, I don't want to do it, but I really want to support you and protect you and, you know, yeah. and buy your product so that we never lose this as a craft off our planet. And, I mean, yeah, it's like it's, it's, not, it's not a primary produce, but it's essentially it's, it's pretty much straight up agriculture. And, I mean, even, uh, you know I, know, I know people that, like, have tried to do things like make TV shows about, people making wine and things like that. And it's like, it's never really going to work like that because it, there is no crossover. It's not like cooking where you can be like, yeah, I go to a restaurant, but I've also got a kitchen at home and yeah. I can, I can buy the stuff that they make their stuff with and I can make the same thing. It's like, wine's like, 
you need a farm and a huge mm. shed and at a baseline five mm. ten grand's worth of equipment <laughs> it's, it's kind yeah. of like you can't just be like oh i'm gonna give this a crack and i and think even a barrier yeah. Absolutely. Even like something that I learned through, um, I did some travel to France and Italy with the, my partner and her cheese stuff. And um, like even understanding like the cultures from the air of the, how they, like is that part of the organic process where they, um, you know, like a certain part of the world, like they um, they activate the, the ferment process through just natural pollens and things. Well, yeah, I mean, we like uh, there's not, off the top of my head, there really wouldn't be anything on the site now that is a that is inoculated yeast. It, everything's wild, so um, that's all very site specific and specific to uh, essentially what has covered the outside skin of the grapes and what's inside the winery shed and things like that. So yeah, it's it, it's not as um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not, it's not as like crazy as it is with cheese, but it's definitely uh, a similar line yeah I think my appreciation came of realizing how hard you know especially with my winemaking and these processes and it's an all-round keeping of the crop you know all year it's like totally. it makes it really makes you appreciate paying the price too which you know you no longer, no longer want the commercial $15 bottle you want the you know $40 organic you know um funky orange that's got things floating around in it <laughs> well, yeah totally it's, it's also that thing though that like i mean it, i mean you just kind of said it but from i i know how commercial wine's made and i mean it's not really made like wine like it's just it's a, it's a recipe and it's uh produced in tank farms you know that are these like mm. uh, wineries with tanks as far as the eye can see you know it's like it's not a very hands-on process or anything it's it really is just like factory farming basically um which is yeah. why they can charge those prices really yeah i mean we could go on for days about that but that would might yeah. sidetrack this i'm very passionate about you know getting real produce in your life as well but um, which but leads me to a question of did you find that there was like obviously you're selling a more you know premium product and actually when you said oh it was an old white man's industry what I loved most and how I shopped on your site when I first um, experienced it was that I actually was shopped by the label and how like what labels stood out at me and I thought um, just reminded me then of being like you know the um the industry is changing and that it's quite, you know, branding is becoming a thing and naming it cool things and oh, like, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. it's, it's even crazy. Like when we launched, like that was really weird that we had a fairly large image of the bottle that you could, yeah, of, of each product that you could browse like that. No one was doing that. I mean, we, we didn't even look at alcohol websites. We literally looked at a sneaker website. That's what, that's what the first version, this is the third version currently of drinks, but the first version was literally based off a sneaker website. <laughs> because That's awesome. That's such good. I actually gave that advice to a client the other day who's building an online platform and I said, you don't like go and look at competitors and what other people are doing, but also just go and look at really good shopping experiences that mm. you enjoy online and what can you apply to your industry. It's exactly. It's exactly right. That's, that's how you find your point of difference. <laughs> totally. 
I had a um, facial actually the other day with a lady who took this um, altitude technology that they use for training elite athletes and she now um, has import, she's in, she's patented and it's in her facial beauty salons um, and so you get your facial at 3,000 3, feet altitude. Um, and it it activates all of this um you know your body absorbs more oxygen and things but you know it's the same same advice as hey this is a technology that's happening over in this industry what if we applied it to our industry how could that make us stand up yeah that's i mean that's brilliant yeah pretty cool um but my question around that was um what was there a risk or did you feel like there was a risk or did you worry about it working or not working knowing that you were going to be buying these smaller like um you know producers and maybe a higher cost and wines that people didn't recognize or know about um was that ever a fear for you oh i mean yeah to be frank i was uh, scared pretty shitless for the first <laughs> nearly two years, really. I mean, it's because uh, we had we had nothing to gauge anything off. I mean, I'd I'd worked at other shops, but I knew you know that was like a a normal shop that employed fifteen people and took up a huge amount of land and things like that. And this was it was it was essentially run out of like half a garage when it when it began. And so yeah, I mean, I, I was. I guess we were really concerned about people actually getting it. I, I knew I had a small circle of customers that I knew would be fine and would want what I had, but I had no idea how broad it would go. I mean, I, I guess I, I felt the trend was heading that way, but probably like what it is now, I, I actually didn't really envision it would be like this, that like essentially now it's just a part of dining out and it's basically a part of, uh, 25 year old to 50 year olds it's how they buy wine now a lot of the time yeah I mean I, I think online shopping has definitely become the norm but I think yeah it's it's interesting that you say you know that was it wasn't even available that long ago because um, I yeah, I mean I couldn't imagine life without it <laughs> like on a Friday afternoon being like oh yeah I might as well get some wine delivered <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's like, and then I think like the, the natural thing as well, like that 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 broadened out at the same time as well. So, I mean, yeah. I have like you know friends that like, uh, I guess like are giving me grief about like how lucky I am that I have like an online website that specialises in something that's popular, <laughs> but also it was like it wasn't when I started. It was a gamble. So, and that's how you that's how you win it. Ryan is taking the risk, and even though it's scary, what what were some of the things that you did? Like obviously feeling that fear that helped to um, I don't know maybe quieten the voice, or was there a moment where you're like, should I really be doing this? Or I mean, you said you said you had some I mean, pretty game changer doers behind you at the label. Yeah, I mean the, 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 those guys helped. They they like they they slightly faded out after um they weren't really involved in the day-to-day -day. so i guess like to, to tell you the truth it was kind of like just watching it kind of grow and then i mean i still do it now like how how i guess essentially how we spoke um i mean i speak to everyone that buys wine from us still 
but it was probably a bit more in depth and like I would like actually speak to everyone that bought anything as basically as soon as they'd done it. And I guess that was what kind of made me feel that I was on something really. And, and also, I mean, just knowing that, uh, I mean, there's plenty of statistics online around this, but our customer attention has always been wildly good. And that, that was the thing that I noticed at the beginning is that people we kind of like built a brand, but it wasn't just about that. It was like people actually liked us and they liked the site and they liked talking to us about it. And that I didn't, I, I genuinely feel when I used to work in bottle shops, it's like no one really got a lot of enjoyment out of walking into one, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they knew what they wanted. It was just like a, it's like going to Woolworths or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And whereas I felt with us that they were getting a bit more out of it than that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely my experience, I think. And, like, for those listening at home, like, I actually ordered um, for a friend of mine as a gift, I ordered her a a big bunch of wines and some beers and things. Um, But she actually, she had done, uh, she was like, oh, um, I'm going to treat myself. And this big box arrived of all these colourful wines and, you know, the um, sour beers and things. And I was like, where did you get all of this from? Like, this is like, you can normally find one of these in a bottle shop if you're lucky. And she's like, this is my new favourite thing. And um, so then I gave her as a gift um, a big package. And uh, after my order, uh, I got your email and it was, I'm sure it was automated, but it was, it looked really like, um, it was like, thanks for shopping with us, um, keep in touch. Or, you know, it was very short. It looked like you'd handwritten it and it was signed off by Luke. And I was like, you know what, I've had this really great experience with this brand and most of the time I choose to interview people that I just love the brand and want to get to know. Um, so I was like, you know what, I should I should chat about these guys on the podcast. And so I replied directly to that email and then Luke got back. And it, I think I Googled your name and was like, who's Luke? Is this the founder? I was like, oh, what a great idea. And then here we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it worked. It made, me feel, it made me feel very, like, connected and cared about. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, you're right. Like, that, it is, it is automated. It used, it used to not be automated, but I can't send, hunt, like. Yeah, yeah but it doesn't that. matter that it's automated because it, it still it will, looks really personal. Well, the, the thing is that the context of it is, like, not, automated like that's like Mm. i reckon probably half of people each day like it's probably one of the things i work on for a couple of hours each day do do write back about something which i'll normally chat to them about that if you know what i mean and like that's i guess i'm automating that first step but i do i do i am actually interested and i mean the the big thing is that you know our our margins are smallest. They're, they are actually supporting uh, mm-hmm. farmers and things like that. Like that's that's where all the money goes, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that the beauty of it is is that you're, you're, you've made the order, you've delivered the order. That in itself is a great experience. But then to follow up as if like how did it go and it opens up a dialogue. Um, and, I, you know, people often come to me for marketing advice and I'm like, one of my favorite marketing pieces of advice is good customer service, like oh, being sorry. so close and connected to your audience. And I'm a bit the same as that I try to reply to every um, Instagram comment or DM, like I stay on top of my inboxes and 
um, things like that because people feel so, um, you know, valued when they hear from the founder or a real person and they know it's not a bot just, you know, love-hearting something. And it, it opens up a dialogue for you to understand your customer better and the more you understand them, the more that you can serve them. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I was kind of, I was raised on, because I worked retail, I was raised on customer service and that's always, I mean, we even are kind of the, the two I see of the business, he's really similar. And, you know, sometimes we have situations that can't be controlled, like sending someone a box of wine, it gets broken. We send them another box, it gets broken again, and then it gets, like, broken a third time. <laughs> and, okay. like, you know, when that happens, like, we like, we don't even know what to do. Sometimes we actually write to the customer and like, are like, because like, we'll be quite honest and be like, we'll, we'll refund you and just send you a box anyway because this has been a nightmare. But sometimes we're genuinely like, what should we do? Because <laughs> we don't even know what to do to make this right for you because this has just been a horrible experience. We're going to send you a helicopter. <laughs> it's, fully, it's fully that vibe. Like I'm like, you know, next time we know someone's driving past that way, we're just going to get them to drive <laughs> to you. Free but, um, wine for a year. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, try and, uh, I think like most of the time we get it right. But, yeah, sometimes... it's a real downer for me if we actually don't get it right and I'll kind of go out of my way to, I mean, you know what, it's like it's been, uh, it's nearly seven years. I'm sure there's people that I haven't been able to win over in that time, but, like, we always do our best, you know. We're never, yeah, we're never out to, like, genuinely try and upset anyone or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty natural in business. People are always going to have their opinions and it's part of coming with being a founder, right? You've got to have a bit of thick skin so you can't be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, that, that's right. And you kind of like to be honest. Sometimes when it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if I should talk about this. Yeah, you do it. I feel seven, like it's going to be good content. Seventh or eighth email of like someone still complaining to me about the thing I've been trying to fix that I'm like, wait a minute. Like you're just a complainer. Like <laughs> I can't even actually rectify this. I, I, no matter what I do, and that's absolutely. Like, Sometimes people are just on that bandwagon, and you have to like you can be as polite and nice as you want, but um, I think it, it it comes back to what you were, what you opened with, which is like we didn't want to address the commercial world. Like we wanted to be here, and it's like knowing your niche and your target market, and attracting those people, and being okay with the people who aren't that, and letting them go. Yeah, oh, totally. And I mean, sometimes we are, like, I, I do, like, I, I would never, like, I'm never, like, rude to a customer, but, like, we've definitely had situations where it's had to be, like, cool, we're going to have to agree to disagree, your refund's <laughs> being issued, here's a $50 voucher if you ever want to use this again, and I get it if you don't, thanks for trying us. Yeah. And I, I think, like, you know, it's, you could never get that experience, like, talking to Coles or Woolies. Like, they would never, ever give you <laughs> anything, really. Like, yeah. I feel in that circumstance, I've sort of done all I can and it's no longer no longer my fault. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're all human at the end of the day. I think sometimes people forget that when you run businesses. It's like, I'm, I'm still a human who's probably had no sleep or I'm juggling a billion things, plus I have emotions. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So um, tell us a little bit about, uh, I mean, we've shared already a little bit of the ups and downs, but um, what did it, what, one of the things that you said before around you didn't tell anyone that you were 
out there um, and you just wanted to smooth out your processes. Um, how did you find that growth process? And, you know, what, did you actively then start, once you felt confident, start engaging like more marketing and, and that, or was it just organic and that people, the word of mouth got out? We, we basically, we, we had the, uh, we had the social media running. Um, the site was obviously live. It existed, but I just had this thing that, um, so like, I'm not even kidding. Like one of the sites I worked on, like it wasn't even finished. And the owner was just like, just get it online. Like, I just want to start selling. And I remember thinking like, I will never, ever do this. And we, we basically just set it up so that, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it was so that we didn't get 50 orders on our first day because I feel that we then would have disappointed 40 people the very first day of operation. Whereas like having one or two customers sending an email to 20 people I know saying, hey, this is running now, you should try it out, here's a $20 voucher, whatever it was I did, that was a great way to like have a business start to do what it's meant to do but fully within your control. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, essentially I basically, because we started just before Christmas and I really just kept it on the down low because I was like. Oh, man, Christmas I'm, time. Well, yeah, and I'm not kidding. It was me. I would pack boxes and deliver and had a career and that's what the business was. There was no no one else. I was doing everything. And so I'd worked Christmases in alcohol retail previously and was like, I, if that happened, I just wouldn't even be able to, we wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. And, and so we did that, got through Christmas. And then it actually kind of like in the January, in the January following, I, I don't know what happened, but we did start getting, it got pretty busy and pretty regular. And then we just did the classic kind of hospo world thing where we went to broadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like we exist now um yeah. but we also after that like we had some had some pretty good pretty good press like even though things like monocle and stuff and so that kind of really gave us a big jump there um i've never engaged pr and it's not that i don't believe in it like i think you can but i feel like i haven't really needed to um mm. and to tell you the truth we, we sort of do it's like once every six months we do something really now. Like we don't do that much stuff that regularly anymore. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Thanks yeah. for being on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah. Glad I got my, my one in two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> um, <a shame. laughs> What an honour. Um, but I actually, you know, I remember speaking to a PR agency that I interviewed for my marketing ebook that I wrote ages ago now. But when I was asking them to teach people about PR for small businesses and stuff, one of the, the biggest things that they came back with was just like, why would your business be talked about? You know, and I think okay. I've kind of worked that into my business coaching now and, and developing an idea. And even, you know, when I'm doing things, it's like if you have something that, you know, from my what I'm hearing from you is like great customer service, wind you can't get anywhere else, same day delivery. Like why wouldn't you know that's the something that becomes a story in itself. So people will come and tell your story for you. Well, totally. I mean, we um, like our, I mean, our Instagram stories are essentially just regrams because we get fairly inundated with them, and it's kind of become our marketing to an extent. Which like 
different agencies have different opinions on that. But for me, it's like, it's like part of the process now. It's like you get your box, you get your box delivered, you take a photo of it, you tag drinks and then drinks regrams you. And that's like, then the sale, then the sales complete kind of thing. Hey, you know what? I actually, that's such a good piece of advice because people underestimate how important they, how much it means to them. If the brand actually notices them and like, regrams and like values that they did that for them well it's and it's also like do you want like and quite often you know someone takes a photo of six bottles and they like genuinely they say something like i ordered at 11 a.m this morning and it rocked up at 4 p.m or whatever it is they say Mm. and i'm kind of like that's way better than me taking a photo in the warehouse and being like, if you order at 11am, it'll be delivered <laughs> by 4pm. Like that's, they've done, they've done the job for me really, you know. And, and it's a more credible source because it's not coming from, Hey, buy from us. Like it's like the vibe from a brand saying, here's what we've got compared to some, the word of mouth of being like, Hey, you have to check these guys out. And I think people underestimate like the everyday person who has 500 followers or less, you know, they're, they're probably a more highly engaged audience than an influencer. <laughs> yeah, totally. And more, more than we could, probably they have, yeah, they, they definitely have more influence than we would get through uh, some sort of generic. Yeah. And probably in the same area too of their, of their, where they live. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really true. And I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of, I take us, I still do, well, two of us do most of the social media. I still take it with a slight grain of salt. Like I it's, I definitely don't doubt its importance, but I see competition kind of like delivering their message about the wines and what they do through it. And it makes me really want to avoid doing that because I'm kind of like, I don't think people want to, people want like a fun, interesting thing. Like for me to be like, oh, this new wine we got, smells like plums and tastes like whatever it tastes like i'm like it's boring even just saying that and <laughs> I, I don't think I, well i know with our customers like that's not what they want the, the the fact is that i'm going on a tangent here sorry but no, I go for it. we're somewhat of an authority in that world now so it's more like if drinks has that red wine on its website and it's 30 dollars, and i want to buy a 30 dollar red wine the decision's made if you know yeah. what I mean. like there's no i don't know I, I i feel that we we don't need to tell everyone what every the flavor profile of every single new wine that arrives because the reason it's there is because it falls in line with everything else we've ever sold and is the current best version of that thing that we've seen and you should definitely try it and yeah i i think that's such a winemaker or something oh, like he's a, that, sorry Absolutely brilliant advice because I think what um, I, I talk about a lot in business coaching is like if you build your expert status enough, then you don't have to sell because people see you, what you're doing, and, you know, they taste your wines or they have this experience or, you know, they hear your advice and then they like that sells it. So like working on that and I think like, you guys are a perfect example of that, right? It's like you've built such a clear, strong brand of this is what we stand for that people then go, yeah, well, that's what I stand for and these guys deliver on that. 
and yeah. you know it, it's like walking into your favorite retail shop that stocks all your favorite you're like no matter what i go in here and get it's going to be like a great brand even though i've never heard of it because these guys know what's up yeah that's i mean yeah you've just said it better than i said it but yeah that's exactly right that's like the and i mean that and so that's what so i guess what i'm saying is like with social media i'm kind of you know we have like a photo of a pile of empty boxes and then like a bill callahan lyric underneath or something you know mm-hmm. what I mean? like we're we're not really on the natural wine uh tip that much because i feel that that's not really why people follow us yeah which is also good advice of understanding your target market and i think sometimes people's like you know what i don't know much about wine so you can describe it to me but the label's really pretty or I'm really interested. It's it's sunny, so I want an orange wine for the park or, you know. Like. We, always, we always describe it in the product <laughs> page and things like that. Browsing, browsing's easy enough. But I, ju- I just feel that, like, if we did that again in our social media, it just wouldn't really I – I don't entirely see the point and I'd rather just give people something else, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely yeah. You're meeting your target market, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you about, because I thought, you know, I did a bit of research on you and I did, I read your broadsheet article and, you know, when I Google your name and read through all the places that you've been um, featured from In Bed to Broadsheet, Delicious Magazine, like, um, you know, I think that's also a sign that you're going to get along and like the brand because it's like, oh, yeah, I follow all of those brands on Instagram and they think he's a good guy. So um, let's have him on the podcast. (laughs) Um, but you seem very well connected and I think I read some things about, you know, teaming up with organic, some of your wines being at restaurants and things like that. Is that uh, networking and, you know, obviously you sound like a bit of a people person by always replying to emails and stuff anyway, but how important has that been in building your business, like having those connections? I think networking is a bit of a dirty word these days, but for me it's more like, you know, those relationships and, you know, making an effort to like know people and you know be of value to others yeah well I mean I I have it I guess I'm lucky that I have I mean to tell the truth a lot of it's just from like being around and going out like I mean in all (laughs) that's that's what it's pretty basic a lot of it and I mean from one end the the supply chain is pretty uh you know it's not to say the truth, it's not that welcoming to everyone in, in this world. So it's kind of like I'm lucky that those importers we were talking about before, those wholesalers, like the ones that really matter in Australia, like they're guys I've been working with for 20 years in some manner. So I know them quite well as a result of that. Um, and that gives me access to certain products and things like that that not everyone can get. And then, yeah, on the other side, I mean, I guess like, it's essentially my friendship circle from uh, hospitality, really. Um, people that I knew from working or going to their places after I finished work or whatever it is, it, it, it kind of just comes through that. I mean, there's no, I guess in my world, like I don't, there isn't like a seminar or anything like that I can go to, you know. It's it's really like boots on the ground sort of stuff and um I mean, yeah, like it's it's definitely it's definitely important. Like drinks is like super lucky that a lot of these guys go into bat for me as a brand and things like that. But I mean it's kind of a hard one to um 
don't know exactly how you do it. It really is like kind of, I guess, like involving yourself in that world really is, is the only way to kind of do it. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Is there any like little secret tactics for if, you, if you're not in, in an industry or known in a world that you are starting a business in that you would suggest for people on how to make, you know, some groundwork or in? Well, yeah, I mean, I think like probably the, the easiest one is that if you're if you're going to enter into something, then you should, you should support the other things that are involved in that already and and, and pay them respect as well. Um, so, you know, it's like if that, I mean, to give you an example, like, I mean, 10, 10 William Street, a bar in Paddington, like is it, well, not currently given the circumstances, but previously is essentially a clubhouse for me. And they have one of the best wine lists and it's where I see a lot of new wines and my friends hang out and drink there and I support them as much as I can. I mean, that, that'd be a great place to go to and, and, and start supporting if, if you're not already. And I think that speaking of hospitality, they're pretty, as, as, a, as a whole, they know who's going where and who's supporting what and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And I think it's kind of important to, to be a part of that. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely, especially in that hospitality industry. But even, like, as a business coach with me, I think I tend to, you know, if I see a ceramicist that's starting out, like, investing in that, or if you're in a coffee shop that's booming and, you know, figuring out who the owner is and saying hi and congrats or, you know, like, just putting yourself in and around the people um, who are in your industry. Totally. Yeah, 100%. and investing in it with in your own time and money without like needing something out of it. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Like just actually mm. showing your face and supporting. Yeah, not, absolutely. Not, and maybe like not even on the basis of networking, just on the basis that like that's that's how you that's the best thing to do, really. Yeah, absolutely. Just like, build relationships like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it'll come off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, we've we've covered so much great advice, but I was I would love to know. Um, I feel like COVID, you're you're thriving. Is that would that be accurate? <laughs> you're I probably mean, one of the industries that gets through COVID. Yeah, it, it is. But like, um, I was talking to a mate. He's a winemaker in Gippsland. Yesterday, it, you're you're right, and it is. But I also like. I understand that and I feel very lucky for it. Like I'm definitely not gloating about it because I've also had so many mates to one extreme essentially lose everything and to the other extreme now run a business that is 20% of what it was prior to COVID. So like I've kind of seen the bad side of it. And so, I, yeah, I'm like I'm incredibly lucky that I have this model that um, – well, at this stage is also proving itself to basically be recession-proof as well. Um, I think your industry is going to be the last one that gets cut from people's daily, weekly expenses. <laughs> well, what blew me away is I, um, again, like an, another mate would tell this story well, but when when the lockdowns and everything got announced in Sydney, I, I didn't gauge it very well at all. I, I thought, like, that we would be super affected by that. Like, I... And I think, like, in it was, it was, like, in two days' trade, I did, like, what we had done in December. Like, wow. obviously our biggest month of the year. Yeah. And that was when I was, like, and, like, I remember I mean, we, we didn't have anything left. We'd, like, sold out of 
we'd been destroyed. And oh. I, remember, I remember being like, right, okay, so this is a thing for now, which, I mean, shows how probably sometimes I'm a bit out of touch with things. <laughs> I, can't, I felt that everyone was bunkering down and, like, saving money because they were maybe going to lose their jobs. And yeah, but no one cuts on alcohol. People were bunkering down. Spending all of Scott Morrison's money at like <laughs> a kind of thing. Um, but anyway, you have, you have all the pet job keeper money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And I mean, like, I know I'm laughing about. It. I'm not actually laughing about that. Like, but yeah, it was. Um, it was pretty crazy. And then I guess we. It took me about four more days to get my head around it, and then we really pivoted to embrace it and made sure that we had anything you could ever possibly need for that night you know yeah amazing um, and, and was you, it hard to think on your feet like that like did you have to hire or like change well, your system yeah so we, we went from having <laughs> we went from having a driver hmm. <laughs> to like well now i have like four but yeah. covid we had like 12 which wow. was essentially which was actually one of the most amazing things. It was people that were out of work in hospital that were mates. Yeah, cool. Actually, like really cool being able to give them some regular work. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it was. It, I mean, as you can imagine, it's kind of. It took me probably a week to get that all into place. Yeah. You know, it probably hurt I, us a little bit because people would be on the website and they'd be out of stock of everything, and like deliveries were slow and that yeah. kind of stuff but um once we got on top of it it was it was pretty cool i mean and even you know even my warehouse manager like he'd never dealt with even our busiest day like you know normally the day before christmas eve or christmas eve he'd never even dealt with anything well wow. like it actually reminds me when i i remember printing my first magazine it was years ago now but i'd worked so hard to get the magazine to print and then i threw this launch party and then uh, actually the magazines arrived like the day of the event. So it was this huge, big thing and all these people turned up and then you're packing up the event and you're kind of, you know, exhausted the next day. And then I was like, it was a 40 degree like Queensland summer day. And yeah. I was like, shit, now I have to get these magazines out of our house because they stunk. Like they stunk <laughs> like a press, like a printing press. And I was like, man, now I, what am I going to do with all these magazines? And I remember getting up the next day and I was like, everyone else is probably hungover in bed or, you know, yeah. chilling out. And like, that was a nice night. And I was up sweating and just driving around and finding car parks and dumping, you know, telling um, people uh, the first issue was free. So, I was like, you know, knocking on coffee shops, being like, can I leave a couple here and getting rejected? And I was like, I nearly cried that day because I was like, this people don't realize, like, yeah, you can look like you've just had this big successful event or that yes, you're thriving through COVID, but people don't realize that it actually is, you know, still really hard. And you have those days where it's like, fuck, now we've got to figure out how to do this. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, had, I had no idea what to do. And then, Imagine, like, you know, I've got a, uh, well, she was six then. She's seven years old now, my daughter. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh, and you're homeschooling. Yeah. This will work Double out. Whammy. I think homeschooling would be worse than shipping and logistics. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 
it was it was just hilarious. We I was having days where I'd get like four hours sleep and then it'd be back to school. <laughs> oh, man, um, we're gonna come out the other side so resilient. It's it's true, and I mean, like now it's quite funny. It's you know we have these. I mean, we still have huge days at the moment, but it's all so tight and under control, and the warehouse is all over mm. it, and the drivers know what's going on. It's just like it put all these systems. That's that's one thing that was really amazing is. I'm kind of notorious for not being a huge systems guy. <laughs> and as a result of COVID, we have like the most amazing systems in place to make sure everything yeah. is done. I well, think that's so true. It's like you get the, you get given these really stressful situations and you're either going to be the entrepreneur that says everything needs to stop and slow down or I can't do this and or you're the entrepreneur who's like, all right, this is here now, let's go. And you like you, you learn on, on your feet. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was basically like, I mean, we we're, were running at about um, nine or ten times our normal size and it was just about mm. working out how that worked. <laughs> yeah, wow. Amazing. Well, congratulations for, for finding your way through and thriving beyond. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. Um, so we might wrap it up and, and leave it with your number one tip for an entrepreneur looking to start their own business. Um. Can it kind of be two things? Is that all right? Yeah, I feel like there's always at least two or three. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we've touched on this through the podcast, but I, I really think like um, there's kind of like two things for me that either you find out an amazing way of selling a product that you know nothing about, if you know what I mean, but it's, but it's like it's something that you can do differently and you know well or it has to be something that you absolutely love and it's not really about doing it in a new way or anything. It's just about that's what you want to do. Um, and then I reckon that you need to, uh, probably my number one thing is understand that besides like about seven examples in the last 10 years, there will be about two or three years of you not making any money because that's what everyone does. And that's, that's, that's kind of like a harsh reality that you should be prepared for. Yeah. Good reality check there. I think it's, um, it's good for people to remember because it's easy to follow things on Instagram and be like, wow, I want that for my life. But you know, I think I spent four years reinvesting in my business every chance that I still do, you know, like it's constantly, there's more things to do and upgrades and ways you can improve. But I yeah. think that's what makes a good business is that they're constantly trying to get better for their customer. Well, yeah. And I guess like what, what I meant on my first one as well, like I know, I know a girl that like essentially drop ships, drop ships are uh, sandals. And, you know, I know for a fact, she's not that passionate about sandals, mm. but she's found out a really good way of doing that. And I think that, like, if you can do that, that's amazing. And, and that's passionate that, about drop shipping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she needs to be passionate about something. Whereas, like, I think, like, I probably was like more like, I just really love this thing, and now I'm going to work out how to do it. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible story and so much wisdom and honesty oh. in in sharing. So thank you so much. Massive fan of of drinks, and everyone should definitely go check it out. We'll put the link in our bio. Um, show notes and send everyone that way thanks so much for being on the show joel thanks for having me pleasure
thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.